The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. A prophet who never speaks about repentance is like a dog who never barks. A preacher who does not call out sin when he sees it. A preacher who does not care about the soul's of his hearers is like a watchdog who never snarls or bares his teeth. A watchdog who does not bark when someone is coming in danger. He's like a shepherd who, when he sees wolves approaching his flock, just sits idly by and watches them destroy his sheep. A prophet who does not preach repentance is like a dog that does not bark. You might think that this is easy work for a prophet. After all, it is a singular task. Like God says to Ezekiel, the prophet, Son of man, I set you up as a watchman over Israel. Here's your job, to watch over Israel. And if you see enemies coming, you call out. Danger. There's a sword coming. And God gives Ezekiel this warning. He says, look, if you call out and they don't listen to your call, if you warn them that the enemy is coming and they don't listen, that's on them. But if you sit in your watchtower and you see the enemy coming, an enemy to their souls and you do not call it out, their blood is on your head, God says. Their blood is on your head. A prophet who does not call out when he sees danger coming, a prophet who does not preach repentance is like a dog that does not bark. And this is not easy work for a prophet, for a prophet like John the Baptist, or a prophet like Elijah, or Nathan, or Moses. It's not easy work because, of course, the temptation that every prophet faces is to think about himself, to temper the message, to think about what it will cost him to say this or that thing to those who he has called, who he, whom he has called to preach to. Think of what it was like for John as he approached King Herod. King Herod, who had taken his brother's wife as his own. Think of what it was like for John, knowing that saying to Herod, this is sinful and you must not do it. Think about the danger posed to John when he said that. Herod has the sword on a whim, without any good reason. 
He can execute John. On a whim, he can cast him away so that no one would ever see him or think of him again. It's like the prophet Nathan. Maybe you remember the story of the prophet Nathan coming to King David. David, king over Israel in its glory. David, the most powerful man in Israel. David, a man after God's own heart. David, a man who had fallen grievously into sin. And God sent Nathan the prophet to tell David what he had done, to show him his sin, to call him to repentance. Imagine how Nathan would have trembled, coming into the presence of King David, a man after God's own heart, a man chosen to be leader of Israel. How Nathan must have felt, how he trembled with fear, imagining what David could do to him. It is not easy for a prophet to be a dog who barks, like a watchdog who barks at danger coming. It is not easy because a prophet is tempted to think of himself, to be partial, to show favor to the rich and the powerful, to his friends and family. He is, he is tempted to temper God's word, to put on hold the warnings for just a bit of peace. That is what is tempting to a prophet. And Paul talks about that this morning in our epistle lesson. He says, look what's required of a steward, of a servant of Christ, of a preacher. What's required of those people is not that they think of themselves, but they'd be concerned what anyone thinks of them. What's required is that they only think of what God sees, that they only consider what God thinks of them. This is what Paul says. I'm not aware of anything against myself, he says. But I'm not thereby acquitted. Even though I look at my own life, even though I look at the message that I've preached and I see nothing wrong with it, that doesn't mean I'm clean. All that matters is how God judges me. All that matters is for a prophet, for a preacher, to be found faithful. That is a tall order for a prophet and a preacher. It is a tall order to be a dog who barks. John was certainly that. He was a dog who barked when he saw danger. He was a dog who barked even when he saw his enemy, King Herod, threatened by sin. Even when someone who had no concern for him, someone who didn't care in the least about the message that he was preaching, even when he saw him in danger, what did John do? He went before King Herod and put his life on the line in order to preach repentance. John was a faithful steward, and that is why at the beginning of our gospel lesson this morning, we see him in prison. He was in prison because he was not simply a hired hand, but he was a faithful shepherd, a shepherd over all of God's people, even those who did not want to hear it. John was a dog who barked. All of that is helpful to know by way of preface. This is why John is in prison. But as we come to him in our gospel lesson this morning, we see him in prison, maybe entertaining some doubts about his work and his life and the kingdom of God. It's a little unclear just why John asks the question, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? He sent his disciples to talk to Jesus and to ask him, are you the Messiah or should we expect someone else? It may have been John's own concern about his expectations. Maybe he was concerned about his disciples' expectations. Maybe he was just concerned that the crowds he had preached to would think that something had gone wrong because he was now in prison. But the point is this, very simple. Things were not looking the way they should. John was in prison. The kingdom of God was nowhere to be seen. 
There was no army to rout the Romans. There was no sword. John had preached, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Already a fire is burning, he says. Where is the fire now? When are the wicked going to be punished? It's like Habakkuk, whom we've been reading during our Wednesday evening services. Habakkuk cries out, how long? When will your salvation come? When will you put an end to this sinful, dreadful world? When will we see your salvation? That's the question. Are you the guy? John asks of Jesus. Are you the guy, or should we look for someone else? It's a tough spot to be in for John, but I don't think that he doubts because he is weak. I don't think he doubts because he's unhappy to be in prison. I don't think this question comes because he's suffering from a discomfort and a lack of ease. After all, he's the fellow who was not found in king's palaces dressed in soft clothing. He was the fellow who was out in the wilderness wearing clothes made of camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. He's used to discomfort. That's not the problem for John. The problem for John is this, that he hungers and thirsts for righteousness, and he does not see it. You and I, when we complain about things, think about the kinds of things we tend to complain about, (laughs) the trivial things that we tend to complain about, things not going our way, Things not being as easy as they should. Our being unhappy or in discomfort. Not as pleased as we should be with our lives. Those kinds of things that we complain about, what reason do we have to expect any of that? Those are not things that God has promised in this life. But he has promised this. That his kingdom will prevail. That righteousness and justice and peace will prevail. And so for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, like John, the question is, how long? That is a legitimate complaint. When, God, are you going to do this? When are you going to save us? The expectations that are not met in John's eyes are these. Where is righteousness? Where is peace? The peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. I don't see it anywhere, John says. Jesus gives an answer to John that is like the answers that Jesus usually gives. It's not a direct answer answer. But for the one who has eyes to see and ears to hear, everything is clear. Listen to what he says. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. You know all the miracles, Jesus says. You've seen them. You've seen these amazing, impossible things happen, even the dead being raised. These things aren't just tricks. They aren't just the work of a healer, but these are the fulfillment of prophecy. So if you want to know who to look for, who's the one that is coming, who is the Messiah, you look for these things. That everything foretold by the prophet Isaiah is happening. The deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, and the dead are raised. And most importantly, did you notice this? The last thing that Jesus lists is this. The poor have good news preached to them. The poor have the gospel given to them. Those who are lowly, those who have nothing in this life, those who suffer, those who hunger, those who want, they hear, for the first time, good news. If you want to know if I'm the guy or not, Jesus says, look at that. Notice that. This world which has never heard an ounce of good news except from the mouth of God, now they are hearing it from me. For I have come, Jesus says, not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. 
John had prophesied destruction. Woe to you, hypocrites, he said. Woe to you, Pharisees, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. He warned that the axe is laid at the root of the tree, and he wants to see it. He wants to know when this is going to happen, when salvation is at hand. What he doesn't realize, and what Jesus is revealing to him, is that first, first, the axe must fall on Jesus. That first, God's wrath over wickedness and sin and unrighteousness must first fall on Jesus. That first, Jesus must suffer everything that every wicked person in this world deserves. He must suffer the fate that is due to every evil action, every sin, every wicked inclination of our hearts. First, Jesus must suffer that. That is what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, fire is coming. Yes, wickedness will be brought to an end. Yes, righteousness and justice and peace will prevail. But because Jesus wants to save you, first, it must happen to him. Look, John, he says, see all of these things and hear the good news. Hear the good news. When you suffer in your life and you wonder how long, when you look at yourself and you see, I don't, I don't see this righteousness that God has given to me. I don't see the fruits of my faith. I don't see peace and happiness and joy. When you look at yourself and you don't see any of the things that are promised in the kingdom of God, look at Jesus. Look at what he's done. The poor have good news preached to them. Look around you. Look in this church. Whatever it is that you're suffering, there are many people around you who are hearing and believing the good news. And that is enough. That is enough for all of us, that some hear and some believe, and thereby we are saved. If you want to know whether or not Jesus is here to save you, look at what he does in those around you. Look at the children in this church who hear and believe. Look at that. What a miracle that those who are lost, those who cannot save themselves, hear and believe. If you want to know what God is doing for you, look at them and listen See how he has promised to do the same for you. If you do not feel it in your life, if you do not feel righteousness and joy and peace, see what he has done for the least of those in his kingdom and know that he will do the very same for you. What he has promised, he will certainly fulfill. Our expectations will be met, not in our own terms, not in our own time. Fire will fall, but we will be saved. That is a reason to rejoice on a day like today. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice because you have a Savior who was willing to endure all things, despising the shame, counting it little to suffer on the cross so that you might be saved. Look to him and believe. Blessed are you who are not scandalized by him. To him be all glory and honor now and forever. Amen. <laughs>